0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have
0: more in common than divides us.
1: In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely.
0: The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life.
1: everyone we hope you are
0: living your best nuanced
1: life right now before we dive into our commemorations we wanted to share that the tickets for our nuanced nation stops in california are available now Woohoo! so we will be in san mateo in northern california on august 22nd and thousand oaks in southern california on august 24th both of those tickets are for sale on our website So, check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes and we can't wait to see all you West Coasters in person for the first time.
0: If our sound is a little different today, it's because we are in different spaces recording than normal. Sarah is in Nashville. Sarah, how's your trip going? It's going good. I'm here for my youngest son, Felix. He is receiving therapy
1: at Vanderbilt. It's called Constraint Camp. They cast his left arm, which is his, you know, pretty, basically his good arm, the arm he uses for everything. And Forcing him to use his right hand, which was affected by the stroke he had before he was born. He loves the cast. He informed everyone he wants to keep it on forever. It's covered in hearts. He's really excited about being with other kids, trying to use their righties or lefties. And you know, it's 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 been intense but cool so far.
0: Well, I think this is like a Holland family commemoration. I know it's been a a lot of thinking and research to get you here. And I hope it's a really good week for you all. Yes.
1: I can't wait to see him on the we're recording on Monday on the end of this first day and hear how everything went.
0: We have three commemorations to share today about relationships from Megan, Kylie, and Cody. And we're going to dive right in with Megan.
1: Megan and her husband accepted their first foster care placement 16 months ago. A nine-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. They were siblings. They care very much about fostering only and helping families reunify with each other with new tools and a fresh start. So going in, they knew these relationships would be temporary. Unfortunately, the parents decided to allow the children to be adopted which Megan says was the kindest and most loving thing for them to do.
0: People pressured Megan and her husband to adopt these children. And she says, That would have been easy. These kids are amazing, and we love them with our whole hearts. But we didn't feel at peace about saying yes yet, because it would mean saying no to future foster kids. We have two additional children, and we're at our maximum capacity as a two-parent, full-time working family. So we decided to wait. Less than a month later, a couple from Megan's church began the process to adopt these children, and this actually happened independently. Megan didn't know that they were reaching out to the agency. Megan loves this family and said the situation couldn't be better. She gets to stay in contact with the kids, watch them grow up in a wonderful, loving home, and rest assured that this family is also committed to honoring the biological family, which is so important to Megan and her husband. She said, our not yet got to be someone else's enthusiastic yes, and we get to continue to do our work knowing they will be well-loved.
1: So I need to be honest and vulnerable. When I was reading Megan's message, I have really strong feelings about fostering, not because I have any firsthand experience. So these are just my ego and opinions flaring up. I'll just be real with you. And... I thought... When I started reading it, I was like, yes, that's so awesome that she is focused on reunification. Like, I think that the people who really go in eyes wide open... um, I have some family members who have done this, who just like... their, Their focus on fostering is to reunify. And I'm so impressed by that. So I'm like, with Megan. And then she's like, well... Then they became available for adoption, but we weren't sure. And I could feel the voice in my head being like, Megan, you should adopt these children. Like it was, it was like, I was having a narrative in my head while reading her email. And so to get to the end and to see like, she clearly is much wiser than me. And her center is much stronger than my loud ego voice. And that she waited and she like listened to what was best for these kids and for her family. And then it had this Happy ending and that these this couple she knew came forward. So the kids aren't let, like ripped away from her. They still know her and they see this, all these families working for their best interest. I just, it was amazing on its own route. And then I was able to just really be aware of my own, you know, judgy voice coming through when I was reading this email. And it, I mean, I'm just, I keep thinking about it. I just keep thinking about Megan's email and how awesome it is.
0: It's such a perfect example of do your work. At work, Mm -hmm. Megan is so clear on what their work is here. And we need many, many more Megans in the world because I think fostering is so complicated and there's so much just difficulty and grief and the potential for abuse in the system because not everybody goes into it where Megan is. You know, not everyone goes in thinking, I understand that this is temporary. And I understand that this is a different relationship than the biological relationship. And that ultimately, if the biological relationship can work, it should work. And so for Megan to be so clear about that, as you said, and then for the universe to say it is someone else's work to adopt. And here they are. It's just beautiful to me. And I'm so grateful that Megan shared this. I also wonder, I would love to be a fly on the wall in Megan's house to hear how she and her husband talk to their children about fostering and about this Mm -hmm. sense of here are these people and we love them. And also they aren't meant to be here forever. I would love to understand because I think they must be developing such groundedness and emotional maturity in their kids.
1: Yeah. Actually, Megan, feel free to email us because I really (laughs) have been called. Like I feel a call to foster. I have the room. I have the space in my house, in my heart. But I really do struggle with making that choice for for my biological children, especially, you know, some of them as young as they are. Like, I really that's my always my hang up is I'm not sure how to, you know, assure my kids through that. And I don't want to put them in a traumatic situation, obviously. And so that's the part I really struggle with. I, Megan, you know, you just you feel free to email us and talk us through that. I would love to hear that.
0: It seems like you would have to, at a pretty early age, depending on the age that your kids are when you start fostering, help them understand that everything is impermanent in some ways and that this is a really emotional version of that. And I feel like it could do tremendous good, but that you would need to be so intentional in how you introduce those concepts. So yes, I would love to hear from you as well, Megan. And I imagine that there's more that we could share with this community because I I know we have lots of people in our audience who similarly feel that call to foster, especially around what's happening at the border and want to do something helpful, but have that really socially ingrained sense that once you've loved a child, you can't let the child go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think with Megan, it's obvious to me that the situation is different if you don't show up and say, you know, we love you enough. We're your forever family. It seems like the people who navigate this situation the best create a narrative where I'm just one part of the people in your life that love you. You know, I think we we create this this narrative in in our culture that you know it's the nuclear family mother father childs all that matters it's these are the people who love you the most this is the key to all happiness instead of creating a more expansive way to understand community and family and that there it that kids i i definitely benefited growing up from feeling like there were a lot of adults in my life who loved me and who were rooting for me and who who met different needs and played different roles than my than my biological parents did. And I think the people who foster and the people who can show kids, especially traumatized kids, especially kids who've been abandoned, hey, you don't, you're not less than your story's not over because what happened between you and your biological parents is hard because there's all these other adults in your life that loved you. And we're not trying to fill that role. We're telling you that there's this Bigger community out there, there's more ways um, to be
0: a family, to be loved, to find adults in your life. So, I don't know. Bravo, Megan. Bravo. I imagine there's someone listening who has anthropological expertise on this, but I just feel like when we look at fostering and adoption and all of the ways that we support kids, even and maybe especially in nuclear families that have a really traditional format. I think our society would benefit so much from learning from other cultures because it's kind of uniquely American to have this pride maybe as part of it and pressure to contain everything within the walls of your household, you know, and to not have that expanded sense of there are lots of people who play a role in your life, that the idea that mom and dad have to be everything for you. That's a kind of recent phenomenon as I understand it. And I feel like our entire system could benefit from introducing concepts from other cultures that do just what you talked about, Sarah. Everyone has a piece here, but we're all working together to surround this child with love and options and a network of humans who can support them at different phases of life. So, Megan, thank you for
1: being a part of a different story about family We see you. We see the amazing work you're doing with these kids, with your own kids, and in the wider world. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hug me.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. deodorant by bloom that's b-l-u-m-e is made with probiotics the probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria and as a result your body produces less bad bacteria so bo doesn't exist it lasts for 24 hours and doesn't have to be reapplied throughout the day mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum which get absorbed into our bloodstream and have been linked to cancer Hug Me Deodorant is safe, sustainable, vegan, and cruelty-free. It's rated the best deodorant ever by New York Post.
1: I made the switch to natural deodorant, gosh, probably two years ago. And honestly, where I came down is why would I expose myself to aluminum or other chemicals that I don't quite understand or that we all don't have total and complete research on? When at the end of the day, they don't even work. You still stink and sweat. So, I've never met an antiperspirant that actually prevented me from sweating. So, I much prefer a natural deodorant, especially like Hug Me because I think anything with probiotics is always better if I'm being honest, and building up the good bacteria in a way that's a more long-term solution. I'm a big fan. So, Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling good, feeling fresh and super huggable. Right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text NUANCED N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 797979. This is a special offer you can't get anywhere else. You support the Nuanced Life when you support our sponsors. So text NUANCED to 797979 to get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant. If you don't love it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Text N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 797979.
0: Comes from Kylie, and I love it. She says, Do you ever have a moment when you think life's pretty good? I had one last night and want to commemorate it. So last night I woke up at 2 a.m., no idea why, just did. As I was reading to go back to sleep, I realized that my husband was sound asleep, spooning behind me. And I realized that is how we normally sleep not always spooning, but snuggling in some way. And I thought how lucky I am that after 15 and a half years of marriage and more than 20 years together, we still snuggle as we sleep and when we are awake. So I want to commemorate life partners and the joy of still snuggling together. I'm honored that this wonderful man chose me to spend his life with me and hope that my children find a partner they want to snuggle with their whole lives. Would it be presumptuous to hope that for the world? I love that focus on like, here is just a normal occurrence and I'm zooming out to celebrate it. I need to do that more often. There are lots of things in my marriage like this. Now, we are snugglers. Sarah, I believe that you are not snugglers. Is that correct?
1: Okay. I am physically affectionate.
0: Yes. But I do not
1: want to snuggle while sleeping. No, please. I sleep with a king-size mattress. I sleep with a body pillow, usually in between me and my husband, because my hips hurt if I don't. We used to, I mean, probably for the first, gosh, five years of our marriage at least, we slept in a full mattress. I mean, there's no way to sleep in a full mattress with another human being without being snuggled. And he would roll over and I would roll over and all that sweet stuff. And it was really nice. And I'm not looking forward to come back
0: anytime soon. Yeah, my sister and I were talking about this over the weekend. Like, you just get older and you need some space. For some of your sleeping, we do fall asleep, usually cuddled up in some way. And I kind of need that to fall asleep. I struggle when Chad is out of town. And usually in the mornings, we we come back together and he often gets out of bed before I do. And he like pushes his pillow over to take his place so that I stay kind of cocooned up, which I love. But in the middle of the night, uh, we both want some room. And that's becoming harder because we made the mistake. And I just want to say this for the world in case anyone needs to hear it. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Obsessed with my dog, okay? I I have no chill whatsoever about my dog. It was a mistake 11 years ago to invite her to sleep with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And it is a mistake that I cannot undo because of the way I feel about this dog. But it was wrong. And this dog is getting older as well, which means she wants more room, too. And she has come to sleep diagonally right in the middle of the bed so that she takes up the maximum amount of real Mm -hmm, estate possible. mm -hmm, It's mm king-size bed. She's a miniature schnauzer. I swear she has 45% of the bed most evenings. So – Kylie, I'm glad that you and your husband have a wonderful situation here that you love each other so much and are snuggled up together. And I would just say, let us all sleep in ways that make us feel good (laughs) and also celebrate these tiny moments in our lives that show us like I chose pretty well. I have a dog trainer who's like a dog whisperer in Paducah.
1: She will not accept you if your dog sleeps in the bed. How hardcore is that? Like You can't even come get training if you let your dog sleep in
0: the bed. (laughs) That's how strongly she feels about it. It's a different relationship that you set up. Cookie lives in a crate. We exist to make Lucy comfortable. That's really where we are right now. Mm -hmm.
1: I did want to say Kylie's email about noticing happiness reminded me of one of my favorite, favorite quotes. It's from Michael Cunningham. It's The Hours. It says, I remember one morning getting up at dawn. There was such a sense of possibility, you know, that feeling. And I, I remember thinking to myself, so this is the beginning of happiness. This is where it starts. And of course there will always be more. Never occurred to me it wasn't the beginning. It was happiness. It was the moment right then.
0: Oh, I love that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back.
1: Y'all, my painter life, painting is the best. What I did was I took a photo of my husband's mine and all three of my boys' lovies. I had a duck, my husband had a teddy bear, and all three of my sons have those little blanket lovies with the heads on them. And I took this really cute picture and paint your life, transformed it into a painting. It hangs above our kitchen table. It brings me joy every single time I look at it. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've gotta try paintyourlife.com. Have an original painting of yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, or a toy portrait like I did. This is a true painting done by hand by a world-class artist at a price you can afford. It makes the perfect gift for birthdays and anniversaries. You choose the artist whose work you most admire and work with them throughout the process until every detail is perfect. Plus, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded.
0: This makes a truly special gift for someone you love or for yourself. With Paint Your Life, get your favorite memories transformed into a work of art that will be cherished forever. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 30% off your painting. That's right. 30% off and free shipping. To get this special offer and to see Sarah's painting text nuanced N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 484848. That's nuanced to 484848 N-U-A-N-C-E-D to 484848. Message and Data Rates may apply.
1: Cody is commemorating his divorce from his first true love. He and his husband were together for four years. They shared a life and a home and a dog, Smokey, and they intend to always be best friends. Cody writes, the pain of this reality is excruciating, but I'm recognizing how exquisite this pain is. I wouldn't trade the past few days for anything in the world. I have never felt such real depths of love or sorrow. It's more than I thought it was possible for one person to bear, but I learned something because if there's anything the gay community has that I think non-queer communities might even feel jealous of, it's that we get to choose our families. We get to choose our families far more deeply than I think the way we heterosexuality is socialized to believe. And Jacob, my soon-to-be ex-husband, and I will always be a family with two dogs. Our relationship is not ending or disappearing or destroyed or broken. It is evolving.
0: So here's to divorce. Vulnerability can truly give us everything we wanted as long as we're open to what we want today, not necessarily matching what it looks like when we get everything we actually wanted. If he gets a chance to listen to this commemoration, I love you, Jacob. You are still my first true love, and I can't wait to see who you become. I can't wait to see who you fall in love with, and I can't wait to see who we become together. Cody is another person, it seems to me, that might be a little bit more centered than I am. (laughs)
1: Um, I think that this is another cultural story we tell ourselves. I think we tell ourselves that men and women, and even to a certain point, women and women and men and men are only successful in life. If we partner off in a monogamous way and stay that way until we die. And that pressure and that cultural story creates this situation in where divorces have to be contentious and awful. And, you know, it brings up everybody's ego and everybody's childhood traumas because we're told you failed. Um, instead of saying life changes, people change. And look, I'm a just celebrating my 16 year wedding anniversary. My in-law celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Like I believe in long-term monogamous relationships. I just don't believe that that works for everybody that every relationship is meant to last till we die I think some are and I don't think that we have found this really great space and where we value relationships and we say there is worth to monogamy and also allow for this sort of not to be goop about it but conscious uncoupling because you know we've decided it's all the stakes are so high that we really get the the worst of everything we get the worst of monogamy we get the worst of divorce and change and transition and you know i had a friend go through a divorce and she was like it's a really great easy divorce it's still awful so listen if the queer community can lead the way on for the rest of us on how to do this in a way that maintains everybody's wholeness and allows for vulnerability and change while still valuing relationships and um, long-term committed relationships i'm all here for it i'm here for it show me the way
0: I agree with everything that you just said. And I think that what impresses me so much about Cody is that that perspective is pretty easy to articulate when you're not in the midst of pain, but Mm -hmm. to be in it and to be in this raw moment and still be able to step back and see everything so clearly and with such an optimistic perspective I think especially like when you have a relationship that in our society you really have to fight for and then exiting that relationship and still being able to maintain that sense of optimism, that just really impresses me. And I hope that both Cody and Jacob do find future love that makes them feel whole and happy and rewarded and that they maintain this friendship that they have. There must be a real level of honesty between the two of them to be at this point. And um, that's another thing that I think we could learn from. In the larger context. So here's to learning.
1: Here's to learning new ways to love kids and community. Here's to new ways of recognizing the happiness in our own lives. And here's to new ways of being committed and then moving on.
0: Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back in your ears on Friday on Pantsy Politics and here on the Nuanced Life Next Wednesday. Keep it nuanced, y'all.
1: Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life.
0: Elise Knapp is our managing director.
1: The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash Life. For
0: $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad
1: music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.